Welcome to the main column, proudly brought to you by our season sponsor, Maricam. Maricam is a global leader in full-service sulfur removal, caustic treating, and spent caustic treatment technologies. We also provide spent caustic handling services as an alternative to technology solutions. Maricam's reputation stands on principles of proven performance, unsurpassed expertise, and an uncommon commitment to its customers. For more information, visit maricam.com. Well, hello and welcome to Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast, The Main Column. I'm Sumedha Sharma and I'm the technical editor for Hydrocarbon Processing and your podcast host today. Plastics are a ubiquitous part of our lives and we cannot imagine our world without them, but waste plastic has been a seriously pervasive problem to which we look upon recycling as a solution. Today, we want to get in conversation with David Schwalsch, Emerging Market Business Development Manager with Accents. David leads the market development activities for Accents Americas and is responsible for technology commercialization and project development for emerging markets such as cellulosic fuels, low carbon chemicals, plastics, and chemical recycling. Today, we are going to talk about chemical or molecular recycling of plastics. So before we get started with the conversation, um, David, welcome to the main column. Please tell us something about your role at Accents. Thanks, Amita. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, such a hot topic and an important one too. So really looking forward to the conversation. Uh, As you said, I lead our emerging market development activities for Accents. talk a little bit as we go here, of course, about um, what is Axon's value proposition in the space? What are we up to? Um, and in short, the role for me is to commercialize and bring to market these solutions. We're a technology company, fundamental R&D, technology development, engineering, lots of lovely things. Uh, and in a space like this that has the potential to grow so quickly, we have to find the right ways to bring those technologies to the market. So in a couple short sentences, uh, that's my role here and the focus on the Americas. Excellent. Thank you, David. I, I know you come with uh, a significant 18 years of experience in a variety of uh, areas in renewable fuels and chemical pathways and related incentive systems. Uh, and also project development and financing. But uh, our audience who might not be familiar with plastics recycling, can you tell them a little bit about the basic difference between mechanical or physical recycling and chemical or molecular recycling? Okay, Samia, that's a great fundamental question to start. Essentially, most of the recycling that happens today, the plastics recycling that happens around the world today, it falls into that first category you mentioned, mechanical recycling. Um, And simply, what is that? It's basically cleaning and melting of well-sorted plastics uh, and reforming into a similar type of product. So the most common example many people will know is that, that clear plastic water bottle It's made of PET. You put that in your recycling bin that's washed, sorted so that it's all clear PET bottles. It's melted and repelletized and that can go back into bottles. It can also go into other PET-based materials like polyesters, for example. You'll see recycled content for those. Um, In short, 
it gives that term mechanical because we aren't changing the molecular structure. We're taking that plastic, cleaning it, we're melting it, and we're reforming it into something new, but of the same mechanical structure, a chemical structure. Um, and there's some real advantages to that. In short, it's, it's the shortest loop. We talk a lot about loops when we talk about recycling. Okay. This is the shortest loop for the molecules themselves and also from an energy standpoint. Uh, if we can get them well sorted, we can get them cleaned and washed, we can get them back into a product fairly quickly. And when I say quickly, as much I mean efficiency from a chemical and thermal perspective, it's the shortest loop. So the way we think about this is we should do as much mechanical recycling as we can. When we can properly sort, when we can get things in the right buckets, we really should be doing a lot of mechanical recycling. It's the shortest loop. Uh, but why are we talking about molecular or chemical or enhanced recycling? Uh, it's because there are some limitations to that mechanical pathway. There are only so many plastics that we can get, as I said, well sorted, well cleaned. And also from a product utilization standpoint, we talked about bottle to bottle recycling as one of the main pathways there. There are limitations in terms of can we use mechanically recycled polymers, plastics for food grade materials? No. Uh, because of that process, it doesn't meet the criteria for a lot of the food grade type plastics and other applications. So in short, there are limits to that mechanical recycling. How much can we really collect and recycle? Um, so then that leads us to our second fundamental bucket of recycling, which is chemical. And what is chemical? That's really more about circular carbon management as it is that simple mechanical recycling thought. Um, this is for everything else. This is for food contaminated uh, plastics. It's for mixed multicolored materials. It's for textiles from clothing, um, wastes from those processes. Uh, and this is about breaking down the molecules. That's why we use that term chemical. It's about taking the plastic, breaking it down and saying, hey, now we've got it back to some other form varies by pathway, what's the some other form, but we've got it to some other form or now we have carbon again. And we can say, what are we going to do with that? We can use the existing petrochemical infrastructure to build those carbons back into the polymers that from which they started. And um, that allows us to do a lot of really exciting things. And you know, for example, one of those is get to food grade because we're essentially making a polymer in the end that is identical to the fossil-based one uh, from which it started. So it's really about carbon management, achieving food grade, and really opening the door to a whole nother level of the feedstocks and recycling. Right. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more about what kind of plastics, because there are a variety of plastics available in the market, which type of uh, those can be recycled into virgin polymers and pelletized forms? Uh, sure. I mean, this is uh, in from a high level, it's an easy question, which is almost all of them. There are some exceptions. Uh, there are, uh, but frankly, it's just a, it's more a matter of which pathway is ideal uh, than it is. Can you recycle the materials? So, for most of the major industrial and consumer plastics that we use today, 
PPC is one of the minor exceptions and there are ways to manage that as well. It really is uh, via the chemical pathway, you can talk about recycling the overwhelming majority of these polymers. Um, so what, what, are the, what are the different uh, chemical recycling technologies or pathways like you call them available right now for the different types of plastic waste out there? So there, there are a handful. Um, maybe I'll focus on the two where, where Axons is concentrating our efforts. Um, and they are the two most prevalent um, pathways and materials, uh, frankly, that are available for chemical recycling. Uh, the first uh, bucket of feedstocks and the pathway is the mixed end-of-life plastics. So these are end-of-life materials that would otherwise be destined for either incineration, waste to energy type pathways, or destined for the landfill. Um, these are polyethylenes, polypropylenes, example of polyethylene or milk jugs, detergent bottles, toys, park benches, uh, polypropylenes are things like our yogurt cups, uh, again, toys and things like this. So many materials made from polyethylene, polypropylene, and also polystyrene, styrofoam. We use in to-go containers, we use it for packaging. Right. Um, and you know, where we're focusing there is these can be food contaminated. Uh, there is some sorting required, but these are mixed plastics. Um, and the pathway there, as we mentioned before, took about pathways a lot. This is essentially a thermal pyrolysis pathway. It's taking those materials and converting them to an energy dense liquid hydrocarbon. Uh, because from that hydrocarbon, we can do a lot of things with the existing value chain. As we talked about before, it's about how do we get these carbons back into the existing infrastructure? So for these mixed materials, uh, examples I gave, that pathway is a really way to convert them to a liquid hydrocarbon, and then we can use those carbons in our existing value chain. So that's in short, the mixed end-of-life pyrolysis pathway. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first one we're focusing our efforts. And the second is PET. Uh, so we talked a little bit before about PET bottles. That's the most common clear plastic bottle. That's great. We should mechanically cycle those, recycle those clear plastic bottles. Uh, the reality is we use PET for a lot of other things, a lot, a lot of other things, namely textiles and food packaging. And when I say textiles, I mean, that's athletic wear, that's garments that that we're all using, it's rugs and things like this. Right. Um, so our focus there is for all those PET molecules that have colors and dyes and other materials, essentially everything but those easy to recycle clear bottles, uh, we're focusing our efforts on the chemical pathway, which is take the PET, break it down to its monomer, clean it, and then get it back into the existing infrastructure. Okay. Uh, like I always uh, think about PET, it's, you don't know, the beverage bottle that you use today might a few years down the lane be in your own carpet, your rugs in your home. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the world we are living in. It's but, really um, true, isn't it? Yep. Right. So David, uh, every new technology and every pathway comes with major challenges. So what do you think are the big challenges in chemically recycling these plastics? Okay, that is a great question. We talk about making real impactful change. 
It's about first understanding the challenges and there are a few here. Um, I'd say they fall into two primary categories. The, the first is it's about the material itself, the collection and sorting side. Um, I'll, I'll focus on the US, but similar challenges exist worldwide, which is as of right now, um, these materials are, they're being collected. You know, there is a truck, for example, in most cases that comes to the household or to the business and takes these materials. Uh, but right now, a lot of it is landfill and there's an existing system of infrastructure and collectors and, um, you know, actors in that space that are, are landfilling the material. That's just what we've done as humans for a long time. Um, and when we talk about big picture here, that's worked for a while. Uh, it's just we have to focus on, hey, that 20-year, 30, 50, 100-year horizon to say when we're using these materials because they make our lives better, what can we do with them other than just landfill them or otherwise put them in the environment? So that first one, it's really the collection and sorting side for going to do these types of recycling projects. It's about collecting them. It's about getting the materials in the right place. Um, and that requires not just the collecting, but the sorting as well. So First step is divert, divert away from the landfill. The second step is get the plastics in the right lines. We talk about PET. Let's get all the PET together. This can be done. There are technologies evolving every day. It's very cool to see the different sorting and AI-based technologies that are working to get the materials in the right line. Get the PET together. Uh, get the polyethylene and polypropylene and polystyrenes, get those together, especially the ones that are contaminated or colored or otherwise perfect for that py pyrolysis pathway. So from the material side, two things. It's about collection, sorting. Um, that's one of the big challenges. And then I'd say the second big bucket is really the business case. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of different, you know, uh, projections about how much recycling can we do. The opportunity, frankly, is quite large and for good reason. Um, and all of these take capital. They take human capital. They take actual investment capital. I'm talking about building new plants, chemical recycling plants. Right. Uh, and to make that happen, it's kind of either the stick or the carrot, right? Uh, yes, there has to be the regulatory stick that says, hey, we're going to do this. And for the actors who don't, there's going to be a consequence, usually a fine, et cetera. Uh, or there's the carrot to say, hey, much like we did for renewable fuels in the U.S., uh, both nationally and in the state of California, we set up an incentive system. It's the carrot that says, hey, if you can go produce a low CI fuel, there is an incentive system. There's a credit system. So what we're seeing around the world is this is developing now. Some places are taking a stick approach. Some are taking a carrot. Many are taking a hybrid. Uh, the U.S. is a good example of a bit of hybrid. And, um, you know, it, it's almost like you, you zoom out of this and say, we talked about closing the molecular loop before, closing that carbon loop. This is just as much about closing the business case loop. It's about getting a lot of partners that today do different things to close the loop together, because that's what it's gonna to take to find the right business case to make this investment viable. Right, uh, I agree with you completely. We are living in challenging times and climate change 
climate concerns as well as government mandates and everything in between everything is pushing us uh brand owners polymer manufacturers to reach certain to establish and then reach those circularity targets so i i think you really answered that question that what are the core challenges that they are facing to achieve those targets so let's talk about how accents can help solve the plastic pollution problem the climate concerns and everything around it okay great yeah i mean we we've focused our efforts on three categories here uh, trying to balance these the first is just to be efficient. Uh, when I say efficient, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. That's using our existing infrastructure as much as possible. Uh, these pathways, these are new technologies. They're going to take investment, yes. Uh, but for the industry to really get up and go and achieve some, some growth here, we want to minimize those investments. And that means just using as much of our existing infrastructure as we possibly can. So that's looking for solutions that are efficient. Uh, the second part is, hey, we're trying to innovate. We are really focusing core R&D efforts and scale-up efforts on finding innovative solutions. Uh, a lot of these processes at a fundamental level, if we talk about thermal pyrolysis, we talk about glycolysis for PET, that's solvent-based. The fundamental technologies have been around for a while, uh, but our focus has been on how do we make those modernized? How do we make them de-risked and unique enough to fit in this market? Uh, and that takes innovation, it takes fundamental R&D and scale up of those concepts. Uh, so it's about efficiency, innovation. And the last part is just de-risking. Uh, we talked about a lot of capital being needed. Uh, we know how project development and capital works, which is the more de-risk it is, the more likely it is to attract capital and, and get things built. Um, so for us, this is core to what we do. In some cases, this means building demo plants. We'll talk about that. Um, building demo plants, de-risking this, improving to the capital markets and the major petrochemical players and the municipalities and MRFs that, hey, these are new technologies, but look, they're going to work. And here's why, because we've built something and we've run it for X months or years to prove out that in an industrial setting, it really does work. Right. Um, I, I have read about your Rewind Mix technology. So can you talk a little bit about what, uh, how, do, how do you use that to optimize the plastic recycling process? Uh, yeah, sure. Great question. So Rewind Mix, uh, that's that mixed end-of-life plastics pathway we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, the pathway is taking those materials using a thermal pyrolysis conversion process to reduce a liquid hydrocarbon. That can go into the existing petrochemical chain. That's great. Um, and there are some cases where the contaminant profile and it has to do with the plastics themselves, but there are some cases where the contaminant profile will exceed the specifications of the existing infrastructure whether that's going into refining complex to make uh, propylene, for example, via cat cracking, whether it's going to a steam cracker to make polyethylene, polypropylene, et cetera, there's existing designs and existing limitations. So when the energy dense liquid hydrocarbon has a contaminant profile that exceeds the infrastructure that exists today, the rewind mix is essentially a purification technology. 
So this sits in the middle and says, hey, it's great. We've got that circular carbon back into a liquid. We can do something with this. This is great, but it has some other contaminants. And in some cases, this will exceed what we can do with our existing plants. This rewind mix sits in the middle, provides a clean hydrocarbon liquid, which can then be seamlessly distributed throughout the petrochemical and refining network to make the, the plastics that we you know, that we use today. So I'm a bit curious, uh, do you also have some sort of energy circularity? Like, do you recover energy or lower hydrocarbons in the process in pyrolysis, which you can recycle back to feed to the process itself? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Great question. Again, it's about carbon management. It really is. Um, If we zoom out, the objective here is, hey, we have carbon in our products. Let's try to get as much of that back as possible. So that is the objective. It's about trying to maximize the yield, get the carbon back. But we also have to be realistic about these processes. They use energy, whether it's heat or it's hydrogen or it's electricity to move pumps. Uh, and some of these carbons can be useful for that. So we're trying to get as many of them back as possible. And the, the process change we're developing are, are, are doing that to the extent that's possible. And in some cases, some of those carbons can be used efficiently for thermal heat to basically go back into the process and help the chemistry. Right, right. Uh, and improve your efficiency. That's all about optimization, right? That's so correct, yeah. uh, let's talk about use cases. Where are Where is this process being used commercially? Uh, so uh, for each of the two pathways we discussed where, where Axons uh, is focused our efforts. First, we'll talk about that end-of-life plastics pyrolysis based. Um, uh, there, there are two technologies. Uh, the first is the pyrolysis technology itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we may talk in a few, so I'll answer your direct question now, but we can talk about our de-risking approach later. But there are uh, mixed plastic, end-of-life plastics pyrolysis plants that exist today. Uh, our alliance partner, Plastic Energy, has two operating plants in Spain, cumulative operating experience over 10 years. And these plants are taking mixed end-of-life plastics today. They're making a liquid hydrocarbon, and that liquid hydrocarbon is going back into steam crackers to make plastics, virgin plastics. This is happening today, and there are other plants around the world taking a, at least from a pathway, a similar approach. Technologies are always different, but from a pathway, a similar approach. So that's happening. Um, the, The purification step there, when we talked about earlier, hey, we've made some oils. How do we get those to always meet the specification? That industry is basically scaling up now. So we have licensed our technology. Those plants are in design and project development. Um, and, you know, essentially, um, we talk about making plastics pyrolysis oils. We haven't made enough of them where a purification has a business case yet. And that is starting to happen. Essentially, if we want to think big here, there's going to be enough pyrolysis oil out on the market uh, that some percentage, and we think a meaningful one, is going to need purification. So that is basically building right now. Right. And 
if I uh, talk a little bit about the PET pathway, uh, for PET, uh, there's a lot of mechanical recycling today. That's overwhelming majority of PET recycling is via mechanical. Um, and what are we doing now? We are essentially in construction of our demonstration plant for glycolysis-based PET chemical recycling. So we're looking forward to, you know, over the next uh, months and, and years to commercializing that technology, both at the demonstration facility in Japan, and then also to those initial project development efforts. Let me throw a very crystal ball question at you now. What do you think the future of plastic recycling looks like? And how do you uh, think companies and governments can partner, work together to help boost recycling rates? Yeah, that is the crystal ball question, isn't it? Um, those plastics, they, we, there are good reasons to use them. They make our lives uh, so much better. And those same properties that make our lives better, uh, they also mean that they don't degrade quickly. If we put them back into the environment, they stay there for a while and a long while. Uh, so that's the opportunity, which is they make our lives better. But we use so much of them that the opportunity here, if we talk about expanding mechanical recycling and we talk about these chemical pathways, uh, we're talking about hundreds of advanced recycling plants. We're talking about billions of dollars of investment. And we're talking about millions and millions and millions of tons of material that we can recycle. We can do it. Um, as we said, it's just about getting a few of these pieces right in terms of incentives, uh, in terms of bringing partners together, de-risking technology, uh, but those things are all possible. So the opportunity is immense. It's just about bringing those people together to do it. Um, and if I talk for a moment about what are we doing, we're, we're looking to play our role. We're going to do as much as we can. Sure. We'll be the first to tell you, you know, we aren't, uh, we aren't a political organization, right? There are a lot of great things we'll do to have those conversations and make sure we inform. But what are we? We're a technology company. Uh, so our focus is on, number one, de-risking the technologies. We need to make sure they can attract capital mm -hmm. by ensuring they're going to work. Uh, and number two, we're going to act not only as a licensor, but also step out and say, hey, we're going to be a project developer and a business partner for these types of projects. We're going to help catalyze getting these things built to show there is a business case that works. We can bring partners together and the technology works. So not just from a licensing model, we're going to go out and we're going to essentially develop projects. And the first public announcement we're really excited about made a couple of weeks ago, it's in France with a major player, Tory Films, and that's on the PET route. We're, we're working together with EU regul regulators. Uh, we're working together with collectors, financing entities, and a major player in Tory Films to say, hey, we're gonna go show that this model works. We can make a circular loop of partners to build a plant. So we're really excited about that. And we think that's kind of the first step to you know, catalyzing this industry and getting those hundreds of plants I mentioned uh, physically built with a sound business model. Well, the approaches you described seem very promising and effective. David, thank you so much for this very informative discussion today. It's been our pleasure, Samita. Yeah, we really appreciate the time and uh, it's an exciting opportunity. 
Have a great day. You too, David. Turning over to our audience, thank you for joining us today and keep listening in to the main column.